About Time, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film About Time, two minutes at a time. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen, and I'm joined, as always, uh, with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello, love. And our special guest. Are you able to introduce yourself to us all? Sure. Uh, My name is James Anderson, and I'm on uh, lots of different podcasts. Uh, I'm... The By the Minute podcast I'm currently recording is uh, Crossroads Minute, which is a Britney Spears-related podcast. Is and it all about that movie? It is all about that movie. Wow. It's a By the Minute's podcast of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that is a, that was a surprising... Mind you, I guess this is probably a surprising choice for a lot of things as well. I, I think that there's two, there's two ways to go with By the Minute's podcast. I can't believe someone hasn't done this, and... Has anyone heard of this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was surprised with how many people know that this film exists, to be honest. Especially in the States. Like, most of my friends don't know about this film. So yeah. when I posted in, like, Move by Minute, and a lot of you guys are like, oh, yeah. But I like. I was like, oh, wow, okay. This is a, <laughs> a film that people know. Just, I'm, I'm still trying to get my friends to watch it, because <laughs> I, I'm becoming more and more obsessed. So I guess we'll jump straight into minute 16 yeah the first line uh is come in uh tim charlotte oh you've written those names haven't you on yeah. the transcript i guess i was wondering why they just suddenly named each other said their names right let's start again <laughs> so they do say each other's names they do okay don't worry about it then. yeah so oh actually never mind the transcript doesn't show we we've got the uh the rest of the flashback first yeah start of the minute I think you talked quite a lot about it at the end of the last minute. Is there anything more to say about this, the whole flashback? No, I mean, it's, o- it's only the second one, so I can't confirm a pattern yet, but they do seem to do the shots going backward and then come slightly forward again before it stops, like he's focusing in on the moment he needs to go to. So if that's consistent, that's kind of cool. Hmm. So then we've got Tim walking out the cupboard, which is still just such a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, as I think I've said several times, it almost normalizes time travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he had a big sci-fi machine or something, it wouldn't feel right. The fact that he's just coming out. I guess what initially the TARDIS was in Doctor Who, you know, in the 60s as a police box, it's, you know, it's just a normal thing that people are using to travel in time. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he sort of walks out and he, he sort of, sort of, how do I say it? Like the, the, the way he sort of moves his his body to sort of prepare himself for yeah. what he truly believes at this point is the big moment where yeah. you know, Charlotte will give him a chance. As a, the confidence of a man who thinks he has a sure thing. like So much so that he starts walking into her door before she finishes saying commit. <laughs> he knocks and starts pushing the door. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know how this is going to go. <laughs> so, yeah. Come in, Tim, Charlotte. Hi. Hi. Sit down. <laughs> And I mean, even the uh, the I don't know what it is, but the outfit she's wearing just really stood out to me. Like every every time I watch this, there's something about it that just seems a little different. Hmm. Is it? It is the same bed, isn't it, as the last night? Like it yes. just looks different. Yeah, it's just a different angle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, but yeah, it's like, is it just me, or is there something about like that blue dress that she's wearing? Or, can't tell what it is, but it just stands out so much. Yeah, it looks like a dress more than like she's ready for bed, which was the last when it came the last time. 
Is it even a night though? Because like yeah, like he's know. in like shirt and trousers, she's in a dress. Yeah. People are talking um, downstairs, so it's not that late. So then he gives this incredible speech, which I'll try and read out in one go. I know you've probably suspected this, but over the last month I've fallen completely in love with you. Now obviously this was gonna happen because because you're a goddess with that face and that hair, but even if you didn't have a nice face, and even if you had absolutely no hair because of some bizarre medical reason, I'd still adore you, and I I just wondered whether, by any chance, you might share my feelings. That, oh, it's it's so <laughs> wonderful. It's such a... Because he started so strong. <laughs> yeah, then he got, then he got weird. Can, can I, had, I had a thought about this. And I, I've, I've, I was sitting here, actually, when we were waiting to start the call, I was sitting here reading this note over and over again, seeing if I still believed what I wrote. So I want to put it to you, to you two. If you tell someone that you would love them, even if they were bald and ugly, does that render any future comments on how much you like their face or their hair or whatever? Does that, like, deflate <laughs> your comments? Because you're like... <laughs> I know I've established that I'd like you if I if you are bald or ugly, but your hair looks nice. It's like it, it definitely oh, okay. Who, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it deflates them. I've but it never thought of it in that way. To be honest, <laughs> it's like you're it's like you're hamstringing yourself in advance of any you, like you you you've taken physical appearance off the table. <laughs> I know that's not what he's saying. Like I, I keep right. going back and forth. Like he's not saying that. He's saying in addition to having great face and hair i think there are great things about you despite you know even in addition to that stuff but the way he says it i was like boy you're sure being like i don't i don't care how you look which is good Ugh, i don't know i go back and forth <laughs> although last week we literally like he's saying about how he likes her despite the fact that she's you know good looking likes for, but we she's got no personality <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> yeah like, that's all she is um like, I mean, as as we sort of discussed last week, like, I like to think of this film as Tim is telling us a story. Yeah. And thus, you know, how he looked at her at that time as just being the attractive girl, that's how we see her. Yeah. yeah. And why that summer has sort of merged together into just a five-minute moments of embarrassment. But, yeah, the, the, the fact that there was something else about her that he liked, supposedly... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just... It's mm. like you want to say something. You you don't want to be like, hey, you're really hot, so, like, do you want to get together or something? Like, you want it to be more <laughs> than that, especially if you think it's a sure thing that you are going in knowing, like, aha, uh-huh, I'm doing the thing she said, if only I'm doing it. So, she's mine. So, I don't want to just start off with, I find you physically attractive, and that's all. But you also need to back up, like, well, okay, so now, now, what, what about her personality are you talking about? <laughs> like, mm. so Robert, steal yeah. your role of looking at the visuals. Um, I think, especially like this opening shot of him walking into her room. Yeah, like it's quite prolonged that look through the door, and it's handheld as well. Like it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, he walks point. around the wrong side of the camera, so it comes across. It, it's a weird moment because he came from the right of the closet, and then he goes around the camera where it's now placed, and you don't do that. And <laughs> so it makes the moment kind of maybe it's deliberate to make it more awkward. 
because the handheld is also really is, obvious yeah. in the shot. And I mean, like, the way that Charlotte looks at him, like, for a moment, you think he has a chance. Well, yeah, she bounces <laughs> up onto her knees and pats the bed. Like, she seems eager for him to be there. Yeah. And I mean, as, like, Richard Curtis even put it out in the commentary, like, she leans in. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. that is... She's so horrible! <laughs> <laughs> and how sort of flirtatious she is and how much she teases him throughout the whole thing it's just I mean she tries to be nice here with how her final line in this minute yeah. and how it carried on to the next like she tries to be nice and says she doesn't know he can travel in time like she's let him off right. well well I mean is it the fact that he's making because refresh my memory, I only watched these minutes and it's been a little bit since I've seen the movie in its entirety. Doesn't he make kind of like a big speech on the last night too? Like yes. He just so yeah, maybe just what she's that. looking for is not a big speech. Like he's kind of asking for a commitment from her both times. Yeah. Like maybe he maybe she's just looking for some summer fun and not like. You mean everything to me. You are a goddess. I mean, like that's kind of a lot of pressure. Yeah, like yeah, like summer, <laughs> some some summer flirting and like a spontaneous yeah. kiss on the last night or something. Yeah, like yeah. that's all it needs to be. And I think that's almost like I, he gets better with Mary. You know, yeah. in, that, yeah. in that manner, like he he isn't with Mary trying to be so yeah. grand. I mean, let's look. Let's look at the proposal, for example. Right. Obviously, that's. Well, he tries to be grand. He tries to be grand, but when he realizes that isn't what she wants, he hides it. Yeah. And obviously, he can't read this in Charlotte. And in all fairness, the audience, we can't read it in Charlotte either. Like, she, you know, is looking so impressed. And part of me wonders, because he doesn't then go back forward and do the last night again, whether he would have stood anything of a chance with her on the last night. Or if he tried other nights, because this is a month into her stay that he goes to. Right. Yeah. So and does he try other ones, and how does that go? Is he always well, trying on, too on, big a gesture? Right. On the other hand, if what he wants is to make a big gesture and for her to be like, "Oh yes, I, you know, let's let's be together and whatever," and she's never gonna meet him at that level. Yeah. Maybe that's it's for the best. I mean, clearly it's for the best. But like, mm. if I would almost say that he shouldn't change tactics if what he wants to do is make a grand gesture and have a you know a big romance and whatever because yeah he couldn't easily hook up you know he could do a hookup thing and maybe she'd be into that but if that's not what he wants then he should be true to himself about that i mean we see later on that that's exactly what she's into yeah but yeah it's 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 odd but i i also like to believe that he doesn't go forward again that he reads yeah. in this situation, she's never going to want me. Yeah. I've got to move on. Mm-hmm. Because I think Tim's got that character about him. In, um, yeah. in terms of your interpretation of him telling this story, I think that's what he's conveying, too. Is yeah, It didn't work on the last night. I gave it another shot. It still wasn't going to work, because that's who yeah. I was at the time. I know that's teenage me would have been like, all right, again. All right, again. Maybe it was uh-huh. that I did it on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Maybe it should be in the afternoon. Back. First thing in the morning. <laughs> right. Oh, she's just eaten. She's tired. You got sure, two sure, months sure. worth of days to work with here. <laughs> but once again, Tim is 21. Like, sure. he does feel like a teenager. Yes, he does. 
But then, as once again, if he's conveying the story as an older adult talking about himself as 21, he's looking at himself as naive and yeah. as a teenager. Right. Even right. though he's not. So maybe that's why we're seeing him in such a light. Is there, is there anything more on the visuals on this minute before we go straight into 17? No, I mean, we already talked about how like, she leans in. She hops on her knees and invites him onto the bed. When he mentions her hair, she's like touching her own hair. She's she's yeah. both used to guys doing this and is probably used to saying no. Yep. I mean, if if I were Tim and I didn't have time travel ability, I just said this to Margaret. Most of the last speech she had to Margaret Robbie, you know, that he said a couple of she goes a couple of minutes ago. Like, I would consider that quite a good point to have ended on. Like, I think she's trying to be nice, and yeah. I think if he didn't have time travel, I would at least have taken that as a compliment. I wouldn't have left feeling completely rejected. I would have gone, like, you know, that was worth it, because I know that, you know, she doesn't think of me as a complete fool. Right. <laughs> and I know right. that she appreciated what I said to her, even if it didn't lead to anything else. Um mm. So I think it's just unfortunate at this point that he can travel in time and can see through <laughs> yeah. her facade. I mean, at the end of the day, we find out that the main point of this film is that it is unfortunate that he can travel in time. Right. <laughs> like that's the whole end. Well, yeah, it's like a it's like a temptation yeah. thing. It's like a Faustian like if you could do it over, you had the ability, would you and should you? Absolutely. Hmm. And when you screw it up, can you fix it? Right. Are you always going to screw it up? Yeah. Ugh. Love time travel. <laughs> <laughs> so, to go straight into minute 17, we didn't actually talk about last minute how it starts on that sort of long slash mid shot through the door and it does move into close ups as it's going somewhere. Yeah. And then when she says this bit, now I'll tell you what, why don't we see how the summer goes and then you ask me again on my last night, it's back <laughs> to the uncomfortable long shot. And I mean, it's, it is one of my biggest laughs in the film whenever she says yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he, yeah, he has to be, like, the audience is with him in, like, I already tried that. That was what I tried first. But he can't say that to her because that's not going to win anyone over. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, the fact that we, we then cut straight to his reaction as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just... It's it's so funny. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's it is like I know this is coming every time but it's one of my favorite scenes. And this is this whole sequence is a scene scenes you can sort of just show to someone and go like they don't need to know anything else about the film. Yeah. But that sort of expresses <laughs> what a lot of the film is like. Yeah. Yep. Um like I think I was doing something ages ago with my like uh, media studies coursework where I had to like show different examples and I used this scene. I attempted for my presentation using this scene and I Really, have loved to see how people receive it when they haven't seen the rest of the film. Yeah, um, and I'm looking forward to hopefully at some point getting a guest on the show who hasn't seen the film, <laughs> uh, which has really surprised me. Like I thought there'd be so many. <laughs> it it really is kind of a short story encapsulation of the whole thing. Like it's like this yeah. is the almost the almost the the fable around which the entire thing is is built, and I think that's yeah. Really like cool. if they'd if they'd written and film like a a short film pitch mm-hmm. to take to working title or universe and be like this is the film we want to make yeah this is the scene that you'd use yep Absolutely. um 
So then Tim's response is brilliant, where he just goes, your last night? Yes. And then she's, try me on the last night. See what happens then, shall we? It's exciting. I love how she says right. it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. It's a perfect plan. That's absolutely perfect. Last <laughs> night. <laughs> oh, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. And then... Um, hmm. Now, now I'm now I'm in Tim headspace because I'm like, but then what if he did try her on the last night, and because he laid the groundwork on the first night or you know early on, then is it going to change? Oh, this this is why I shouldn't have time travel. We've just yeah. we've we've found it. <laughs> I, I assume that he tries over and over, but yeah. we get the point just seeing this, yeah. and so we don't yeah. need to see all that. You yeah. see, you assume that I assume he gave up. <laughs> it how long it takes him to to learn big lesson number one is uh is definitely i think a a, a a key character sort of decision that we have to sort of make i figure it's like this is the groundhog day sequence <laughs> where he gets slapped a bunch of times <laughs> and we just he just doesn't tell that in his telling of the story he's like i got i got the point really quick it was fine yeah it's, yeah, that's true. It is being his telling of the story. He could have made this so much better <laughs> than it actually is. Well, no, he's making um, it better. He's cleaning it up. It's like, yeah, yeah. I got the point right away. I was fine. I moved um, on. But yeah, so then he, yeah, so then it's last night. Thanks very much. Night, night, Timmy, which she says. <laughs> that's so patronizing. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't come across as flirtatious at all. Really, right? <laughs> it's just. It's like that's just the final stab. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's not even the friend zone, it's the brother zone. <laughs> and yeah. Timmy. And then you've got his narration Big lesson number one All the time travel in the world can't make someone love you. And yeah, I think, I think it is great and important that we learn this straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I think maybe it makes it easier for us to feel comfortable with. Tim sort of reliving his time with Mary later in the film. Yeah. Like, like the fact that he's introduced the idea that he can't make someone love you means that, you know, Mary still loves him anyway. Yeah, it, it, in that you can't make someone love you, it's sort of, it's sort of, there's a corollary that, like, you can't change what someone's feelings for you are, regardless of what they are, one way or the other. You can't turn the light switch on or off. So it's like... Yeah. So it makes him come across sort of less stalkery with right. Mary later on. Well, that's the big problem with Groundhog Day. Um, yeah. Is that it's like, let me shape myself to trick you into falling in love with me in one day. Like, that's no good. Like, it's done mm. well, and I love that movie. But my co-host Aaron watched it, and she was like, never occurred to me before how weird it is that he's like, okay, I will just change that about myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. I mean, to to look at the deleted scene that we looked at last week, Robert. Like when when he does stuff like like the whole pajama sequence and yeah. things. Like he is trying to change stuff about himself immediately, but then he realizes that he doesn't need to. Yeah. And what one thing which I just found really jarring at the moment is when Tim leaves the room, he he walks quite close to the camera, but then we've got the cut from over his shoulder, and that's such sort of a jarring cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think once again it adds to the awkwardness. Yeah. And his 
His his little look back before he leaves and shuts the door. Yeah, it's just. Mm. And then we go straight to Charlotte jumping in the car with Kit Kat on the wheel, which once again, as as described before, is the the most dangerous scene in the film as <laughs> she cannot drive, and they were all very terrified as to how this whole scene was going to work out. <laughs> I think they commented on the fact that you can actually sort of see in Kit Kat's face that she's kind of uncomfortable and worried. <laughs> I forgot. I had I had forgotten how much the sister uh, Kit Kat is like just one of my favorite characters in this movie until I saw her in the scene. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Love, love, love this. Oh, yeah. It and then and then we'll get to it in the next minute. But. I forgot how many, how much I'd loved his whole family situation. His... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's a lovely family situation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's odd, but kind of idyllic, like like idyllic, I guess. Like it's, I love it. I mean, it would be stressful, but if you were used to it, it would be fine. Ah, oh, so good. Anyways, my note, my note, my last note is literally, I love his sister. <laughs> And I mean, part of it as well, like, this might just be because I feel like my family is quite similar, or it might just be the case, that I think they leave enough room for you to be able to place your own family into them mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like Tim's family feels like my family. Like... Yeah. I mean, I don't have an Uncle Desmond. Uh, I think <laughs> You are the be... Uncle Desmond. Maybe, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... I think my dad can be like uh, like James. I think my mum can be like Mary. I think my sister can be like Kit Kat. And, I mean, I think I, I'm a bit of a Tim. Uh, not not just for being a, a ginger British person. <laughs> um, Though that helps. It definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> I, got a, I got a message from uh, one of our upcoming guests the other day. And uh, he literally messaged me saying, I'm watching About Time now. I see why you like it. The lead is a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> but then he said it turns out that he'd seen it before and forgotten. And what I seem to realise is a lot of people, and even in my case, the first time they saw this film, forgot about it very shortly afterwards, and it hmm. didn't really click until the second time. And I don't know how I can make my friends watch this film twice <laughs> to, to make sure that they appreciate it. Well... I I know my my story is I was like, oh that movie looks great, and then I saw it, I could buy it on DVD, and I was like, yep, gonna get this, and I owned it for like five months or something, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what I should watch? Let's watch this, and I was like, yep, I love it, it's great. Why didn't I watch it earlier? I owned it. I literally had it in my house for months before I put it on. That was my experience yesterday with Baby Driver. Everyone oh, yep. had been telling me to watch it, and it was like I had different. Like I wanted to see it, but like yeah. every time I sat down, I just didn't want to watch it. Yep. And then yesterday, I was like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to force myself to sit through this. <laughs> and it wasn't much of a forcing. Right. I sat down and I was like, wow, why did it take me so long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when everyone but yeah, is talking about it, it's it's a little bit hard, I think. With about time, especially like. I didn't really know much about it, other than the fact it was a Richard Curtis film, and yeah. years and years now, I've 
just been I don't know how long it's been, but I feel like I've been obsessed with Richard Curtis films for years. I've seen and own nearly everything he's done. Yeah. Uh, some some of them are very hard to come by. <laughs> um I mean like the sitcoms he wrote are incredible. I mean you uh, you get Mr. Bean in America, right? Yeah. Uh, I have I have some experience with Mr. Bean. Yes. It was on HBO well, a while back. Yeah. My well, he dra- our drama teacher showed Mr. us um some some Mr. Bean uh to show us about uh like nonverbal like physical <laughs> comedy and stuff. Yeah. So he wrote Mr. Bean alongside Rowan Atkinson. Okay. He also <laughs> he also start. wrote He also wrote with Rowan Atkinson Black Adder. Don't okay. know if you get that in the States either. I, I'm familiar. I'm I'm familiar. Uh, he wrote a show which no, n- none of you I've spoken to in the States seem to know anything about called The Vicar of Dibley, which is amazing. Nope. <laughs> it is one of the funniest things on television. Um, <laughs> it's it's just... Uh, do, do, you know, do you know Dawn French, the comedian? No. Okay. Well, it's about uh, a vicar who's played by Dawn French, and it's in the 90s. Okay. So it's it's like this traditional church... Who their old vi- their old vicar has died, and they're looking forward to seeing who their next vicar is, and then it turns out to be a woman. My and... mother in law and her wife watched that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that they that they wa- they watched a show that was the some the the vi- I think vicar was it had to have been that it had to have been that interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a it's just a very very funny. Uh, yeah. series and then he obviously went on to do four weddings and a funeral notting sure. hill love actually but yeah. rocked um yesterday bridget jones yesterday i i've watched all three bridget jones films in the past two days and i really <laughs> enjoyed them he didn't do the last one but i uh, forgot second there bridget was a jones third one <laughs> it's, it's 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 all right yeah i i i forgot about like everything that happened in the second film yeah and it's really good. I think it's my huh. favorite of the three. Interesting. The second one, I really like. Huh. I think the first one I've watched too many times. Yeah, yeah. Four weddings and a funeral never really worked for me, so I'm going to try and give that a go again. Tomorrow. My wife really likes four weddings and a funeral, so she showed it to me, and and it, it's really good to have someone who already appreciates it in the room because, like, it. At least I found like she was like, wait, wait, watch this, watch this, and like that was that works for that works for me at least. And then the tall guy, I'm indifferent on. <laughs> the tall uh, guy, I don't know that one. The Jeff Goldblum, huh? That is a musical of Elephant Man. <laughs> yeah, although that 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 whole sequence of the Elephant Man musical is like, it's not even com- like that funny. It's just really entertaining. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, saw like, that I just movie found myself in England actually. I saw it for the first time. Like I think. A week or two into lockdown, oh, um, I've been meaning to get it for ages. It's just like, even though it's still really cheap, it was like five or six pound for the DVD. Every other Richard Curtis film I found in secondhand stores for like fifty p. So five pound for the film made me think like, is it really worth it? And then I basically just thought, I've been thinking this for a year. I'm gonna buy it, (laughs) (laughs) and I still don't know what I think. it's not his strongest, but it's it's all right. I might work. I'm generally thinking when we get to maybe like a few, uh, probably about twenty or thirty episodes away from finishing this show, so ages away, that I might just look at like 
a different Richard Curtis film each episode as like an end segment mm. and just like go through his entire filmography. Nice. Yeah. There's only a couple that I'm missing and I might as well buy them. Uh, um, but yeah, it's fascinating. One, one, one final note just in terms of Richard Curtis, I've been listening to loads of interviews with him recently, um, was I heard him say one thing where it was like, people look at his films and say that they're like unrealistic in their portrayals of like love and romance. And he was like, Pe- you know, thousands of people fall in love every day. And yet, if someone made a film about like a serial killer murdering babies, people would say that's jarringly realistic. <laughs> and he's like, "So how does that work?" Right. Right. Well, that's yeah. I mean, like, for me, I think it's important not to be like this exact situation could happen to me, and more like the tone or like find like like you were saying about finding your family in his family. Like, find the place, find your on-ramp to, to where you connect to this movie. Don't, I mean, like, please, for most rom-coms, do not mimic the actions of the characters involved in the movie. It's not going to end well for anyone involved, but find find, <laughs> yeah, your, the, find your on-ramp. I mean, like... Like, the, the, the end point that so many people could get out of rom-coms is if the girl says no, just ask her until she says yes. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, and, and think about why why she says no. Worse. Yeah, I mean, ugh. yeah. Ugh. Anyways, yeah, that's, I, yeah. People and I think yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, this film has debunked that seventeen minutes in. Yeah, when right. he says all the time, someone can't yeah. make someone look right. Like, like he's already gone. This isn't a typical rom com. <laughs> right. Know? So to to conclude this minute, we've got. He says, bye. And then it's, uh, so the love of my life just drove away. And the very next day, it was my turn to leave. And we've got Uncle Desmond's amazing moment here. Well, don't skip like Kit Kat. Sitting on, well, the, she's sitting on the hood of the card, looking all sad, with purple beads yeah. in her hair. She'll do better oh, next yeah, minute, yeah. but she's just <laughs> sitting there pouting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a less colourful jumper as well. Yeah. Like maybe that is deliberate. Ugh. Um. So yeah. So then we've got Uncle Desmond. There you go. Don't spend it all at once, and like gives him a couple of quid. <laughs> and it's just so brilliant. Yeah, I, it's been a while since I looked at British coins, but I think it's two pounds and like a twenty p coin. Well, our so. coins have changed since. Oh, okay. So, uh, but yeah, that is two pounds, and or it might be fifty. Like that's not a lot of money. <laughs> no. It's oh, it looks like it could even be three pounds and like fifty and maybe like a ten. Ooh, Tim's rich. I can't tell whether it's just the whether I mean looking at yeah, based on like his outfits, like they're they're a rich family. <laughs> right. <laughs> right now, Desmond doesn't know what year it is. He thinks it's a lot of money. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, those pound coins are probably worth a bit in a couple of years since he changed them. I don't know. Then maybe he's from then. Anyway, is there any final comments on this minute before we wrap up no. this episode? None from me. Okay. So, James, is there anywhere our listeners can find you on social media? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Unabashed James. That's a great place. I retweet basically anything that I'm on. And also try and promote other people that are doing cool things that I see. So yeah, on, at Unabashed James on Twitter is the best place. And 
Robert, where can my listeners find you? Find links to all my podcasts and my blog at lemmingdrops.com. And if you feel like dealing with my annoying politics and me being weird about movies, even weirder than on a podcast, follow me on social media, Robert E.G. Black. <laughs> <laughs> There's some very interesting movie stuff on your social media. <laughs> oh, especially my Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The thing I like about your Facebook is often because, you know, times ends are completely different. I'll wake up to one of your comments on a random film uh-huh. and I'll have to go back through your timeline to figure out what film it was. Well, a couple of times I um, deliberately didn't say what movie I was watching and then started doing the live comments. And people wake up the next day and they're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like, I don't know. What do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, and I've, I've, got, I've got things to say on your Passion of the Christ thing, which I just <laughs> don't say. We can talk about it when you're on uh, Cock and Ball, if you want. Yes. And it will lead to the last episode of Two Minutes About Time. <laughs> That's when you kick me off the show. <laughs> or you kick me off the show. <laughs> We've both got the power here. <laughs> anyway, uh, the listeners can find me on social media. Uh, on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. It's a very old Twitter and I can't be bothered to change the name. Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Ginger Luke. They can find all of my content at LukeAllen.co.uk. And this podcast is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Two Mins About Time. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you come back to listen on Wednesday. Uh, Toodle Pip. (laughs) Haven't said that one yet. (laughs) (laughs) The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. (laughs) 